Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. And I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is a writer and the author of the amazing food newsletter, Half and Half. It's Rachel Krishna. Hi. Thank, the show. thank you so much for having me. It is a delight. I mean to ask you for ages, so this is really cool. And you've picked an absolute banger of a topic. Uh, please introduce it for us. Tell us what it is. Um, so I would like to talk about my childhood obsession with Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Andrew Lloyd Webber's seminal and first public musical uh, <laughs> before he got into Cats. Um, and so, yeah, this is this was my childhood obsession for a good number of years. And it sounds like a good number of other people as well had like a weird childhood interaction with it. And so, yeah, this is the one. So it's one of those things where I feel like if you know, you know, but if you don't, you're like, sorry, what that's a, is that the Bible, a Bible musical? What is happening here? So how did you come upon this? Right. Because like I found it one particular way, but I want to know how you found it. Did you see it? Did, were you brought to the West End? Like how or did you get the, the holy Donny Osmond VHS or like what what was your way towards the dream coat? So uh, I've never seen it on the West End, despite like there being the big revival a few years ago and everything like that. Um, there's kind of two ways. I think I think my parents got the VHS first. I have a very distinct memory of the VHS being on sale in Asda. And my mum, I think my mum, getting it around some sort of like Christmas or birthday and that kind of thing. Like there was that, but then also we did a school production of it when I was in primary school and I must have been about seven or eight. And so I remember watch, knowing it because of the VHS or like watching it, watching the VHS and then doing the production. So there was this kind of crossover of it just suddenly being like very present in my life. Um, so yeah, probably uh, the the film was well, around 2000, 1999, 2000? Uh, 99, yeah. 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 It has so, a very 1999 energy, doesn't it? It has a very burgeoning <laughs> millennium, like nobody knows what anything is. Like it's a, it's of its time. Yeah, so I, that would mean I was about six or seven then. And so that would have made sense for it being about a primary school production. So yeah, yeah. So kind of things crossed over. Yeah, no, I got it on VHS too. Yeah, Yeah, VHS. Uh, My Mm -hmm. mom is a huge Donny Osmond head. Her and my aunt have a really long, elaborate Donny Osmond kind of competition going. My aunt met him by surprise in New York. was in New York and on holidays and he was giving a signing. So she has a picture of herself with Donny Osmond. And then another year, my mom forged his signature. on like a calendar then another year they were building gingerbread houses and my mum like built little uh, like stuck little photos of his face on gingerbread men to live in the house like this is a huge running Donny Osmond <laughs> like I think there's there's I'm telling what is potentially like a many 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 years long saga very poorly but Donny Osmond is sort of a, a whole bit in our gaff um so I feel like my mother probably got it because Donny Osmond and then mm. I like vacuumed it up because it had lots of bright colors and great tunes amazing tunes yeah Yeah. um it's very weird that how present donny osmond was in popular culture around that time because there was that but then also he did the mulan soundtrack as well oh my god he did and he sung i'll make a man out of you the best song on it and so it's very weird that like years after he was a child star but he seemed to have like a late 90s like Mm. Revival. Revival? Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't an ironic revival, which is weird for the late 90s. No. It was just a pure talent revival. Mm-hmm. He was like, found his new thing. Do you know yeah. what? Lovely voice. Mm. Like, such a smooth voice. Really brilliant. Oh. Like, who knows what his deal is with that whole child star thing with the Donnie and Marie energy. I don't, I, I'm, I wasn't there. I don't understand. But lovely voice. Really great voice. Um, so do you want to tell us the story? of Joseph and his amazing technical dream coat. If I can remember it, because I listened to the soundtrack again today. And so I was a bit like, okay, like I'm trying to remember this. So Jacob had a load of sons, is it 12 sons? Um, a, a fair amount of sons, but his favorite one was Joseph, who is the son that he loved um, and everything like that. And so he gives him a coat because he's the favorite son and that's healthy parenting. That's how you like <laughs> encourage this sort of like 
healthy environment. And his brothers very fairly became jealous of him and so plotted to murder him or fake murder him. Um, I believe in the musical, they kill a goat, they cover the coat that Joseph has with blood and they sell Joseph um, to the Egyptians, I believe. Um, and then Joseph goes to Egypt. This is like, it's got like a main plot and a subplot. Um, so the subplot is Joseph goes to Egypt. Um, he is employed in slavery by a guy called Potiphar. Potiphar's wife thinks he's hot and tries to have sex with him. Then Joseph gets put in jail, at which time some people work out that he has like magical, um, can see into the future dreams. This takes the attention of the Pharaoh. Joseph talks to the Pharaoh and predicts that they're going to like have lots of bumper crops for several years and then have famine. That happens. Joseph is like lifted up to like Pharaoh's number two and everything like that. At the same time, the famines hit his brothers who have kind of long forgot about him and his dad's really sad. They go to Egypt, not knowing that Joseph is there to try and be like, can we have some food? Uh, Joseph sees them coming to him and like being like, uh, can you help us? Um, he plays a trick on them and teaches them about uh, forgiveness and protecting their brothers and everything like that. He reveals who they are. He goes back to his dad and everyone lives happily ever after. That is the most incredible, incredible, <laughs> perfect, concise description of anything we've ever had in this podcast. That is literally the story of Joseph and his amazing technical dream coat, beat for beat. That's incredible. This is really like, sad. That is perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. That's basically a sentence per song. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah, so just going through the songs being like, okay, because it is, it's all sung through as well. Oh so like, you can just literally go like that. It's an operetta when you think about yes. it, really. <laughs> it's modern opera. Yeah, yeah. And it has this wonder, we're kind of led through it by this narrator figure in a blazer in the Donny Osmond version of it. Now, my school did do a theatrical production of Joseph and his technical dream goat. However, I had left school by this point. It was also a convent. <laughs> so effectively what, what happened there was the greatest drag show on earth but I had a couple of girlfriends who had younger sisters and we all went and kind of snuck in and sat up the gods and watched the school musical and it was fucking amazing like it was phenomenal those people just giving it extreme ham at all costs because it is it is silly like the way that they that the Lloyd Webber in, interprets all of the different songs and the different vibes like Potiphar's wife is just like a feather boa like ridiculous carry like you know carry on movie grade of, of of fake sexiness and then the pharaoh is elvis for some reason yes mm. it's you a know? real it's a real variety of songs i mean yeah we can talk about some of the songs in a little bit more details uh, uh but like the songs like really like change up and so you don't really like get bored of it it's not like phantom where it's kind of like this is all kind of the similar like we know where this is going <laughs> long fucking river we know <laughs> um there's lots of different like styles in there but it still has quite a good um like i guess lyrical signature throughout so you know it's still the same musical and the um, songs are the songs go further than just like the fantastic uh the extent to which they go for the colors and the coat is oh my god yes uncompared but like close every door to me is real fucking sad man it is it's that's really a sad. ballad you know but it's like it's emotional but it's also like super gay as a musical oh it's yeah it's and so queer, and like super gay <laughs> but there's also the bible and like it's yeah. there's so many like elements to it which i think make it like this enduring like school musical but also just kind of like this is this has got enough of like winks to the audience for adults to enjoy but also this is essentially the nativity story in a different kind of vibe it's like it's it sits well in schools it's that kind of level of complexity of a story yes yeah it's it was the first musical i remember being aware of i think because when i was seven uh, it was when their first revival happened so it was like the first like celebrity casting i was ever aware of in a musical like it was actually like in the news that Jason Donovan was going to be in Joseph and then it was in the news that Philip Schofield was taking over and then it was in the news that Donny Osmond was Hold on, him. hold on. Philip like, Schofield was Joseph. Yes. He yeah. left going live to be Joseph. What a It was a prince. huge deal at the time. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. My kingdom mm -hmm. to see Philip Schofield as Joseph. I bet he was brilliant. He Bye. did um, a Zoom version uh, in the last couple of months. Ooh. I came across it. I didn't watch it because oh I literally just watched the entire film. But oh, um, yeah. yeah, there is Philip Schofield stuff on YouTube. I am, check that out. I am going to check that out. 
<laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's, it's maybe the, the first musical a lot of kids become aware of. Because yeah. also, um, our so when I was in primary school, the secondary school that we kind of fed into, they have a and the central school I went to have a school musical every year that gets puts on gets put on in a proper theater and stuff. Mm-hmm. And one year when I was in like fifth class, which is about ten or eleven, um, they were doing Joseph, so they needed kids from the primary school to be in the show. You got to hold a bit of the coax. You got to come yeah, in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you I was too shy to take direction properly in the audition <laughs> and didn't get in. Because <laughs> the, the woman at the piano was like, so we're going to go la, 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 la. And I thought she wanted me to do the very last la. She went, dung, 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 dung. And I went, la. Oh, like, uh, okay, thank you. I was like, oh, shit. Push that up. Uh, but then, um, they because it's such a popular one, they did that in like a, like a 10 years, every 10 years or so, they'll do Joseph again as a musical. Wow. Um, so... Uh, generally what you would do is when you're in transition year which is for anybody who's not one of our Irish listeners is an optional year in between the junior and senior state exams it's basically a year where you just learn you're sort of 15, 16 you learn how to mm. drink you don't really mm-hmm. have to go to school I feel like some people take transition year really seriously and like I just went and like learned how to drive a car I need to improve I, my Irish before the leaving yeah, yeah it's it's a year that yeah. you can take to just be a teenager but there's two versions of that story I didn't mm. I technically did transition year I did not attend school in transition year but I technically did do it um, and I think it's a real marker of some people who some people who skip it are just like yeah whatever I'm gonna go straight for the leaving cert and people who hang around and do it tend to have a more interesting time it's a gap year mm. in the middle of school That's right. and it generally makes sure that you're 18 by the time you get to college which is very important yeah. so you actually have drinking age by the time you're living alone yeah. um, so in, when I was in transition year we didn't do Joseph it was the next year and generally if you've done done it when you're in transition year you're not supposed to do it when you're in fifth year mm. what just, was your school musical all? Uh, how to succeed in business without really trying. Oh, weird. What a weird. Yeah. Oh wow. Good though. Yeah, it was really cool. So we have to get a professional in to do the lead because none of us were up to it because uh, it's a really demanding role. You're in like every single scene. So did but, you um, have like a big musical that you did in like your last year of school? Was this like a a thing or like? Um, it's it's pretty like in the schools in Waterford um, because there is a really strong um, theater community, in amateur dramatics community in Waterford. Huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, that it is kind of a thing. Like my best friends they met during their school musicals they were in a mixed school mm-hmm. um and our school was kind of renowned because we were an all-boys school but our sister school came in to us to do their musical so we were all kind of commingled so it was like the one time when yeah. we all got to mix um yeah which, or you could just put on a production of joseph in his technical dream coat with all women that's what you could do <laughs> yeah. yeah like my wife was in an all-women uh, production of calamity jane when she was in transition well year. that's thematically perfect that yeah, is the most appropriate yeah. thing i've ever seen in my life have you yeah. did, did did you guys do uh school musicals when you were in school we did musical so i did joseph as in primary school primary, where we yeah. didn't do musicals every year we did like we did joseph was like the big one we did and then i think in like my last year of primary school when i was about 10 11 we did um Oh, Jack and the Beanstalk, but I think it was like a Roald Dahl version of it or something. It had like music. Mm. It was like an actual like musical version of Jack and the Beanstalk. It was quite cute. Yeah. Um. And but then when I went to senior school, we did a musical every October or November. You there's oh. a school musical every year, mm. and then there might be like a small play or like small drama things if you're like GCSE drama or you're like year nine and showing drama talent. So like, but I went to I went to a Catholic school um and they were quite like we're not doing musicals that suggest like anything outside of like um the values so we weren't allowed to do Greece because mm. yeah the storyline of that yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah we were allowed to do Oliver with a man beating up his girlfriend um but it's not abortion so it's okay <laughs> D- Dickens is like educational do you yes. know what I mean? Like, it's um, like the industrial, industrial revolution. Yeah. But my year 11, so when I was 16, was High School Musical, which is very of the age. Wow. Um, that is that is temporarily, like, that's on the pulse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was the one I did when I was 16. But then we did some weird ones. Like, um, we did Return from the Forbidden Planet. So quite like a retro one. Yeah. Which, um, or, like, my theatre t- teacher was really intense and would sometimes, like, write musicals himself so he wrote a musical based on faust he like wrote a musical of animal farm as well and so like amazing yeah there was some really like weird ones of well it's like but the animal farm one in particular the plot of it was we were all it was like one flew over the cuckoo's nest we're all in a asylum 
and to try and get us to uh, talk about our feelings we do a production of animal farm where Mersa, the, hello where the nurses and doctors are the humans and the like patients are the animals and we rise up against our nurses and doctors this yeah. is next level this <laughs> is when i was 13 like 13 14 wow like yes. i love that. i love that that is that's net we did what like i am so mad that i did not get to experience any of this high level of, of theatrical realness we did one Alan, i've probably talked about this a couple of times have i uh oh but but you got to be knicky yeah my one yeah. line so we did a i went to a catholic all-girls school which was terrible and <laughs> it was it was a nightmare beginning to end and um i in around fourth year we did a school musical and we'd never had a musical before we really weren't one of those schools that did lots of um enjoyable things it was very strict um like really like really strict cannot stress how strict it was so when this musical came up we were like what is happening there's a what is happening and um it was a mix of musicals so like musicals through the ages so it was 1950s 60s 70s 80s and 90s and it was all split up so for the 50s they did Greece. 60s they did hair 70s they did saturday night fever so now two out of the three films are already edging into fucking pretty dark <laughs> realms here, right? Um, 80s, they did Cats and 90s, they did The Lion King. So you audition and you're put in two of them is the general vibe if you have a singing role. And I thought I was fucking great at singing. Now I am proficient. I can technically sing a song. Um I really, 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 really went extremely hard for a role in Cats and absolutely did not get it and was relegated to a single song line in the whole musical, which was Kinnicky's song line in um, in Greece. Uh, like uh, the the bit where they, what what even is that song called? The first big Summer one. Summer Lovin'? Summer Lovin', yeah. Did you get very far? <laughs> Thank you. The joy. Yeah, I, I only knew it was Kinnicky because I looked it up because I wanted to mm -hmm. tell people that I'd done something. Uh, and I was a background dancer in Saturday Night Fever. I was, and I apparently am still angry about it. <laughs> still fuming. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like there's a real, like, real anger but connection between girls who generally did theatre and were made to play boy roles because either boys weren't there or there weren't enough boys. Look, but I would have like, dragged the shit out of it. I yeah. just wanted to sing more. I don't give a fuck. But there's like a real connection between girls who are kind of like people who went up to them when they were like age 12 and like you would look good in a suit with like your your like boobs kind of taped down. That's what your vibe is. And you're like, okay. And you kind of Fine. go through life. Like, Fine. I will I will do this. I will do this mild drag. It's grand. I, I'm still, I know exactly why I didn't get that role as well because Aileen whose sister was the director of the show was, and a German teacher also wanted the role in Cats. Now, the costumes for Cats were um, leotards and real bad. So in retrospect, maybe it was great. Maybe it was fantastic with the one song line. Um, but I was, yeah, I'm still, still mad about it. Uh, <laughs> the year after us who did Joseph were having a fucking blast. Like they, there were so, I remember watching it on the stage and being like, there are so many people on this stage right now. This is not, this, this, this cause it's a very large ensemble piece. Cause you've got all these fucking brothers and all these wives mm -hmm. and this huge, huge cast. And there was no way our school theater should have been able to fit all of those people onto the one stage, but my God, they did. And the girls who were doing the narrators was two narrators. The role was split into two. We're just giving it sucks. The girl who played um, Joseph's dad, Neve Dennis, I believe, absolutely fucking killed it. I can still see her. She's my friend's sister. And uh, just they know that it's absurd. You know, when people are almost playing it with uh, that lovely extra layer of I am fully aware that I'm in a school musical production of Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat, wherein there is a hundred girls on the stage, all of them are in drag. Like there was a, a campness and a silliness to it that I think made it even more enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And I think the show itself knows that it's silly and it knows that it's camp. Do you know? Like yeah. it's um, Cats in terms of Andrew Lloyd Webber's, Andrew Lloyd Webber's weird works is deeply sincere. Joseph is deeply not, yeah. <laughs> you know. I think it's not a musical that rewards subtlety. No, maybe. <laughs> no. I think that's the thing that, like, yeah, 
definitely divides those two areas of uh, where I was going to say it makes a it makes a perfect school musical in a way because there are so many roles in it like you're saying and there's lots of different roles and so you can have the kid who just wants to like dance be one of the dancing wives or you can have like a kid who's like maybe just wants to do some speak singing be the butler or something but the problem I think that happened with like my primary school was there were too many kids who wanted to sing and sing big and so Um, when they gave out the roles this was like to 10 year olds so like not like not like teen hatred but like when they gave out the roles loads of kids basically were like i'm not playing that role and got their mums in and like got their roles changed there was whole like jostling of power going on when they were with the roles that's, yeah. We had the opposite problem. Oh, oh nobody because wanted to talk, right? Boys nobody wanted, school no, nobody wanted to do Joseph. So they had, they had to get, first they got a professional in to do Joseph because nobody wanted to be naked on, or half naked on a stage for most of the thing. And then that guy got an actual, uh, like a Vodafone ad. So he dropped out two weeks beforehand. So they had to go up to, uh, like my good friend at the time, Peter Power, uh, who had been very good the year before in Health Succeed in Business as just a chorus member. And had like really like acted stuff properly. And they actually went to the time when we need you to do Joseph and we need you to turn it in two weeks. And he was like, My right. dream scenario at this point is somebody ringing me and being like, Sarah, <laughs> yeah. we need know, you to right? play Joseph. You Most have two would. weeks. And I'd be like, but let's it, go, top off, close ooh. every door. Like, I'm ready, you know. <laughs> it ruined his life. I'm not no. understatement. No, there was like it. girls waiting outside the stage door every night. He oh, cry me a river. He like. had scratch marks on his back. <laughs> from them trying to claw at him no harm at the stage door at that age it's the boy who played our joseph broke down on one of the show nights because he just couldn't <gasps> take the pressure he was doing close every door to me and he like started and he was like close everything and it's like lost it and like had a full breakdown and the school they had to pause it for like an hour because the pressure was so much yeah. on him it's when a bit that little when you're that young yeah. like yeah. you know Oh, if you're in your feelings, close every door is a song that could destroy you. Absolutely. If you let it into you, it's into far into you. Yeah. Like it's it, it has that and for all of the slagging that we do of Weber and for all of the catastrophe of, of the new cats movie, which I think is good and everyone who is being mean about it is wrong and going into it in bad faith. I think bad faith is poison, right? Um but I do think that uh he's some here for a melody that does something to you. Do you know? And Phantom's a real good showcase in that as well, where it can just decimate you on the melody alone and i think joseph if you took away all the words and nonsense the tunes are are very very evocative like even looking at the song list here i'm kind of like i didn't go back and rewatch it because i think i've done my hours as a child and i can (laughs) probably sing it beginning to end um i'm deeply acquainted with it but uh going back through these songs man they're like one more angel in heaven goes from ridiculous to extremely sad and back again you know like there's a lovely um i think what it does is it shows the scope of of what pacing and style can do to a melody if the melody is good you know it's very elastic you know so that's been kind of sad about the fact this is andrew lloyd Webber's first musical probably up there in his top three musicals like this is his first like well this is not the first one he wrote i was reading about this earlier yeah. it's the first one that kind of got onto the west end and things like that and he did this and then the next one was jesus christ superstar so similar theme like religion. so many criers in that religion. one as well um but then after that it's kind of like lots of hits and misses and i'm a bit like oh he kind of peaked like he kind of had some good hits and then went a little bit along what age was i feel like he was very young when this came out was he uh, I looked this up earlier. He is not much older than my dad. He was born late 1940s. And so, okay. So the very first version of it was 68, oh. which is like a 20 minute version for a school. Oh so my he God. So, must yeah. have been like 20, basically. Mm. Like, I- un- astonishing. Like, unreal. Now, it's impossible to know what 20 minutes were in that first version. It could have been just Benjamin's Calypso extended version. <laughs> Wait, so- about, I just need to talk about the fact that I don't know what other productions happened with Joseph, but I'm presuming this happened. I'm guessing that, because it's Judah who sings Benjamin's Calypso, mm. right? And in yeah, the film, yeah. Judah is black, singing a Calypso song, 
and like Benjamin was also I think a mixed race guy and so it's a very kind of weird bite was like it was like here's our black character yeah. <laughs> and I was just like oh this this is this this is aged badly this bit like rests mm. This bit where you get the one black cast member from what I can see to sing the Calypso song. There's a lot of extremely yeah. dubious tan jobs happening in it also. <laughs> Let it be Oh, said. there's also, uh, like. and I hope it's unintentional, but um, at the start, you know, there's, in the film, the Ray Osmond version, there's like just rows and rows and rows of school kids. Yes. And then the bit where they sell him into slavery and they mention slavery, they cut two black kids in the audience. Oh, that's the only no. thing they cut to black kids. Really? It really stood out. Yeah. And I don't know if it'd be like... <laughs> It was a different time. Oversensitive to it, but not? it was a different but time, it's, and it's they out, like yeah. one of the things that we we do on Juvenilia every so often is we have to remind ourselves that all our faves are problematic. Yes, and we just have to make peace with the fact that people made terrible decisions, and that's not. Yeah, let's let's I mean, not make those mistakes yeah. again. I mean, like, um, it has held up fairly well despite like that. Like there are worse things than. <laughs> just, I am now stuck with my head at the idea of Andrew Lloyd Webber writing a calypso song like the whitest of white man that ever is just kind of being like this sounds fun and the toriest of tories Tories. it's a bit of like a hit a casio button calypso yes it's not like it's not the most musically adventurous it's sort of a little bit the way the way the crazy ex-girlfriend does it where every episode they're like okay we're gonna do a spice girl song we're gonna do like a fucking bet midler song and we're just gonna Mm. run through hyper specific genres of different music to do parodies of this musical does that with form you know but it's like an Elvis song, a Calypso song, a fucking um, country and Western French song. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, like, the French song's amazing. I, I want to shout out yeah. the Canaan days where they all just be uh, like drunk Frenchmen. That is Yeah, a, they're all just drinking and lying around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they do terrible French accents. It's beautiful. <laughs> There's a silliness to it that I think is really important and that I think gets lost. I think for, like to compare it to Cats, um, and again everyone <laughs> everyone was so mean about cats but i was just like lads you can't you know the, you know the problem i have with the meanest about cats i'm not the biggest fan of the film of it but no. i dislike the fact that people were like cats the musical was bad and it's not a good musical it's not as best but it made so much money my friends like yeah people went to go fucking see that musical you can't sit there and be like it's a bad musical. People want to see it. Lots of people enjoy it. Lots of people ba- bought that album. Memory goes so hard. Yeah. You want Android Weber songs that will reduce you to a puddle of tears? Yeah. Memory. Bam. Whatever. Let me find you. There's a really good video essay. Um, this oh, is thank you. On it, which is basically, there's this guy on YouTube. I don't know if you've ever seen this stuff. He's called Sideways and he does musical theory. Oh. And he basically sits there and he's like, here's why Cats the Musical is great and what the film got wrong about it. And lovely it's perfect it's perfect let me pop it lovely. in the chat find it thank you so much that's exactly the i need i feel like i need somebody who's more knowledgeable to back me up on my cats is good actually <laughs> like did i laugh until i cried throughout the entire musical when i was in the, in the cinema yes was it terrible i mean yeah. yes and no right you have to go into something like cats with People, what irritated me the most was around the time on Twitter, everyone's like, I don't even know what a jellical cat is. And I'm just like, look, Jennifer, they fucking told you. They do, yeah. There's a whole song, they told you. And if you aren't paying attention, that is your problem. Yeah. You know? This sounds like me when Lost ended. Yes. <laughs> they told you. Where were the, pol- where were the polar bears from? They told you. They told you. Were you watching the show? Mm-hmm. I think there's you a know? thing about musicals currently where we have obviously a lot of good musicals right now, but kind of like in. Uh, I don't like this, in the post-Hamilton musical landscape, where like musicals are taken as very, very serious pieces of art. And they are, they should be taken seriously as art, but you have to understand that like so many of these musicals existed prior to this in this extreme version of camp. And like they have to be watched almost at times like a drag race episode or something like that, where it's like these there's art you can't sit there and be like, well, what is like Joseph and Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoats say about modern Egypt today. Who it's made not. the Dreamcoat? Who who <laughs> sewed it? Like, yeah. I want to see who sewed this. Like, where did they get the material from? Where did they get the dyes? Like, realism murders delight. Mm. It absolutely nails it, which is why I have this. Like, I think I I think that Batman is actually at the core of all of these problems because. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous camp 90s business. And then it's just like, no, no, no. Let's put Christian Bale in this and have a real serious time about it. And that, 
ethos of making things realistic makes them good absolutely fucking tramples on delight it destroys it camp requires risk and all theater is risk right because you're trusting all these people to go out onto a stage and do the thing correctly and inherently musical theater demands risk it's so risky like it's so playful and silly and it has a set of codes and a set of visual and aural languages that you you kind of pick up through the MGM musicals say um, and I don't think contemporary cinema enjoys risk it doesn't enjoy sexiness or horniness of any description and all musicals are super horny so it, it, it doesn't really know what to do with all that um, and it doesn't like it doesn't want to be playful mm. it doesn't want like which is why for example the cats making all the cats super realistic was obviously somebody's decision when realistically we all know that the costumes would have operated better but everything has to be realistic or it's not worthy mm-hmm. and that's where the failure is if they had committed 100% to the fucking leg warmers and the face paint and the fucking ears and shit then we would have understood that we were in a ballet yeah basically but instead they did body horror yes <laughs> so which is something the Donny Osmond version does very well by actually setting it in a school musical. Yes. I was very confused at, at first, but then I was like, as it was going on, I was like, this is like a sent mostly a children's musical. Yeah, it's a, it's a it Bible was, story. It for, yeah. It was written for schools originally. So, I mean, it makes sense that it would be. And like, like you were saying about like, um, not taking it too seriously. When it got to the end, I was like, because I hadn't really engaged with Joseph since, since I was 17. And I was like, I have learned nothing <laughs> from this musical, but I have six new earworms for the week, which... Don't cast out your brother. Don't be jealous. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Shine theory. I know that one, but yeah. (laughs) Do you think, because just before I started recording, me and Alan were talking about the Any Dream Will Do TV series where they they cast the Lee Mead in it. And like, it was like camp and weird. I was saying there's like a whole, there was a whole challenge where they all had to kiss Denise Van Outen and like, it was who was the sexiest man. Basically, they were in loincloths all the time. It was like this weird masculinity thing. I can't off the top of my head think who I would cast as Joseph today. Like, I can't think of an actor who who could do the kind of... Because like you're saying, there is a huge amount of like camp letting go and you kind of have to do this. But also that Joseph is an extremely masculine role in some ways. You have to sit there in a loincloth and be vulnerable, but also be sexy. And like, it's a very confusing role. And it's a bit like, well, who could do that? And there is this reason I think why it was so big in the 90s of a lot of men managed to do that well. Mm. Like, because we've talked a bit about this before about like Fraser and like being um, intersecting with the coining of the phrase metrosexual, right? Mm. Where men are allowed to have this, (laughs) they're allowed to use skincare now. You know what I mean, though? Like that there's that there was this new masculinity and now we've gone, we've gone back we've yeah. gone way back there is a twinkiness to joseph it's like he's yeah like philip schofield stephen gately played him as well you know yeah. quite small boyish, like handsome boys yeah. play this role now there is someone who has a fantastic singing voice uh is classically handsome and is not afraid to make himself look stupid or are weird. you gonna say harry styles to me because i was gonna I... say jake Gyllenhaal. Is he too old to play joseph he's old. He's not twinky. in his 40s so that's fair yeah could be a really fun pharaoh Oh, he'd be an amazing pharaoh. Yeah. Because um, have you seen him do the dentist and things like that? From like, because he tried to do um Seymour. He did a version of Little Shop and he tried to do Seymour. And I was mm. like, no, you're the dentist. Like, this is the thing. You're the handsome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's he's pilot and stuff in Superstar. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. like, I think yeah, I think a younger Harry Styles wouldn't be a bad choice. I think now he's a bit older. He's a little bit. I don't know quite the word, but. Like young Harry Styles is a good casting for Joseph. For Joseph. Mm. Like, because he's so charismatic. And I feel like, is Harry Styles our Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat? You know what I mean? I feel like he has sort of, he has that gravitas in pop culture. Do you know mm. what I mean? Um, But I can't think of anybody who else who sort of is that. I'm going to very cautiously use the phrase carefree. Mm as somebody who could inhabit that role which is at once very very sexy and also deeply vulnerable and also silly mm. and aware of the silliness of the story that he's telling i don't think in the year of our lord 2021 amid a plague 
w storytelling wants to be silly. I think it wants to be something else, you know, but I would love nothing more than a recasting and a, a, a reinterpretation of Joseph. Like, I think it would be very restorative. I think when somebody builds something that silly, whatever it is, it will be a real tonic. It will be really, really good for people, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of other roles, narrator wise, who would carry, who could carry the kind of the long vocal it's storytelling. Really, it's a really hard vocal role, isn't it? Narrator, it doesn't stop. Big I understand role. my school musicals put like three of them in it because it's just like <laughs> you can't do that by yourself. Um, so it's a kind of slightly older woman role. It's like probably yeah. 30s or 40s for musical theatre, which is like, but like. But those roles have, in have some kind of chemistry with Joseph because there is a little bit, yeah. Yeah, they see each other. Like I think that those roles in musical theater, as a person who can't dance and is like mourning a parallel universe, where I'm like, oh, I could have played Grizabella. Oh, like, and you know what you have to do when you're Grizabella? Fucking very little, limp around <laughs> with your like coat on and be an old lady, easy breezy, get to sing. And I think roles like the narrator are designed similarly, where it's for a person who, with a durational set of pipes and a bit of charisma but doesn't have to dance but love the, roles a, like that a great role in joseph for like an older lady is potiphar's wife Imagine oh this, yeah, yeah. The fun. Because i think in the musical she also is the actress does a couple of things i think she does potiphar's wife and then maybe is one of the other wives or something like that but that's yeah, yeah. a fun role you get to come on and just kind of like be a camp madam essentially mm. The girl who played Potiphar's wife in Era One um, fully embraced the role on and off screen. Good um, woman. She yes, ended up girl. shifting Joseph at the cast party. Yes. So, yeah. That's yes. what I want to hear. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Live that dynamic. That's mm -hmm. fucking great for her. Good girl yourself, you know? Oh, that just made me suddenly go like, um, yeah, like uh, thinking of Hairspray the musical and being like similar camp good lady roles, like yeah. Muscle and things like that. Like, both musicals have like really strong just like girl, girls get to be camp mm. and i think those i think again that's something you don't get to see in cinema now do you mm. know like i loved um chicago as a modern musical right like and i think it executes the story perfectly it's very like the stage show like it's a really stylish really brilliant film that is the you know the they're they're toe to toe but it's also like it, it's very delicate with the campness of it do you know like it's very handles it all very very lightly you know but being able to be very ham-fisted and very very over like hammy you know play it up mm. rather than play it down is part of the joy of i guess amateur theater and school theater and kind of in some of the west end as well you know um but i just don't think oh. It's such a, I'm the, it's so, it's so heartbreaking. It's, it that it's, it's not really um, of today anymore, you know. Like, why do you think that is? Do you guys think that there's like a thing in the audience or a thing in like, like what do you think is it the internet? Um, my take is, I guess, like, obviously a lot of these uh, musicals are need to fill stages. Like, if they want to be big, they need to get into the West End, get into Broadway, and get seats. Um. And so that way they kind of need to sell tickets. The tickets are very expensive. Like, you know, if anyone's ever tried to like get Broadway seats for like Hamilton or some of that or get like West End seats, mm -hmm. unless you're very crafty, it's like 50 quid, 50 pounds plus. Like oh that. yeah, minimum 50 quid, yeah. Which cuts mm. out a lot of the popular audience. Like, unless you're, I, when I was a kid, my parents took me to musicals probably, more often than most kids, maybe once a year, but like, that's still quite a lot. And that was because it was my dad's birthday present to my mum. We would go for a meal, go see a musical and that kind mm. of thing. Um, but like, th that kind of thing means that like, a lot of musicals need to take in, you know, bring in the crowd that can pay for these kind of money. And so the kind of things like, take Hades Town, which is, which originated at National Theatre, and it's kind of like a very like, high theatre musical. I think a that- Big cult following. I haven't listened to it myself, but I've been recommended the soundtrack as a, just a brilliant piece of work. Have you listened to it? It's like, yeah, it's a, it's a beautiful piece of music, but like, I understand in a way how it's done so well, because it is like, it's kind of like, um, high art sort of vibe where people who go to the theatre would really like that. Yeah. Um, and the kind of popular musicals which still exist 
they're quite old. Like, look at Book of Mormon. Book of Mormon's one of the ones where she really is still, like, was still out there. And that's, like, 10 years old now, Book of Mormon. Things yeah. like Mean Girls and the Heather's musicals are a little bit newer, but they're based mm-hmm. on old stuff, which will bring people in. And I saw The Lion King, like, two years ago in the West End. Yeah. And it felt old. Like, it did. And we saw Hamilton, The Lion King, and Matilda, like, one weekend. Wow. Yeah. And you could tell, you could tell exactly when each one came out in relation to each other, like... It was really stark. Yeah. yeah, like it's these ones which like are all based on previous existing material, and we'll get those fans in. Like Matilda's mm. got the Roald Dahl backing of it, and like people like Tim Minchin doing the musical music. School of Rock. That's Andrew Lloyd Webber's most recent one. It's based on. Did he film. do that? That is, I did not know that. School of Rock's him, and so it's like there is oh. such a risk because West End is so expensive these days that. I, I think it's it's not pushing that kind of innovation. I think the only way you're getting that innovation is in smaller theaters or online, like things like the Team Star Kid musicals from like a, yeah, they're Star. great. Yeah, like those are like the kind of campy things. But even them are based like their biggest one got big because of Harry Potter. Potter. Yeah, the one that kids on TikTok are doing is Ratatouille, which is so yeah. funny and so silly. And you know what? Like, commit to the bit. One joke spans a million other jokes, which you then bring together under the watchful eye of Titus Burgess and lo, Ratatouille the musical, you know? And I think that the spirit of that is is the most important thing, you know? Like wanting to make something, even though it's a bit silly. Hmm. But it's like, still none of these things are like original properties. I think that's yeah. like trying to write an original musical and like, or get an original musical big in 2021. Like it's, How? it is a task. And what a and how like what a bummer, right? Because people won't take a risk again. It comes back to risk, right? On going to a musical because people think musicals are like terrible, um, unless it's an intellectual property. Which again, I feel like is another one of those ugly internet words or very very contemporary phrases for things. Along like I feel like I hold intellectual property or IP in long alongside like content as things that make me kind of shudder because Ooh. both of them are really anti-Irish pro-capitalism you know and um the musical I mean, I mean where where were you on La La Land what did you think of it um I think I like the music of La La Land more than I like the plots yes my yes. kind of stance of it is like this is a very 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 well written songs and it's very cute um I'm not too into the film itself yeah. I mean I think the best song in it is the John Legend song and like where he gets to like where they get to do like the rock out on stage bit which is a great song in itself but then when you watch it in the film it's supposed to be Ryan Gosling hates playing this music and I'm a bit like but this is a fun (laughs) song this is like the bit where he gets to have fun and so yeah like I mean you look at the musical the musical talent it's very difficult to tell like where is like this generation's like musical theatre writers I mean you have Lin-Manuel Miranda but he's doing Disney stuff now mm. and so. i think and he's disney losing are, his he's losing yeah. his power like he's yeah. and disney are turning every single film into a musical now as well and also his musical they trial style them on the cruises first and then they make them into fully fledged ones no way yeah so frozen it just like cut down aladdin and frozen and tangled and cinderella musicals on the disney cruise ships wow yeah, yeah. that is so interesting they, they bring them out to the stage up. yeah yeah that's why it's supposed to be awful like and it makes me sad Aww. because mm. like i've seen some of the clips from it it's just like there's, there's trying to do hercules i think next there's some no. of like them trying yeah that there's been i saw some clips online of them testing out some of the hercules stuff and so i think that's the next one i'm gonna try and do leave it where it was <laughs> <laughs> like hercules is my favorite disney film by 100 yards it's probably my top five favorite films in my whole life and leave it jesus christ let them just leave it alone like it's such a weird film like let and stephen gately sings the big song in it like come on leave everyone alone you know yeah it's a um yeah and the lin-manuel miranda thing is interesting as well because i think he has a lot of really easily identifiable audio signatures in the same way that lloyd Webber kind of does as well Mm. but manuel miranda's is so it's much like narrower or something like you can kind of hear him all over moana yeah it took me a second then i was like what's like an original musical of the last like five years and like i, I was like oh it's it's the greatest showman like that's the mm. that's the one of the last five I've years seen, i've never seen I completely that. forgot about it i was like no greatest showman it's the big like 
Is it one. good? I haven't seen it. I, I, I pulled away from it because I feel like the colour scheme gave me too much Moulin Rouge, which I hold in a very big place in my art. And I was just like, any clips of, this, of the music I've heard, it's all just very overture-ish and like just, I'm so great, be yourself. Like, I, I couldn't really hear past that. I felt like I didn't, I haven't watched it, but we did one of the songs written in choir and it feels like it really wants to be a beloved musical. Oh, yeah. like it kind of assumes it's going to be from the start without rather than just it becoming a thing that people love through repetition I guess but yeah. yeah yeah it has like it has one good song basically or like a couple good songs and then imagine it but again it's an issue of better songs and plot obviously like the plot of it got absolutely torn apart because it's like a redemption art for P.T. Barnum who's got like well there already is a Barnum musical yeah there already is yeah which is fucking great the songs that are amazing like you want good songs Barnum is like I I uh, there was a VHS in my so my, my grandmother brought me up and I lived in her house more or less full time till I was about six and uh, her in the living room there was two drawers and the top drawer and the bottom drawer were just full of VHS's of different MGM musicals taped off the television and one of them was Barnum but it was a live production of Barnum with um He's in Hello Dolly. What's his name? Um, that is going to annoy the hell out of me. Uh, a really brilliant actor um, playing Barnum. I'm going to look that up because it's going to wreck my head. Um, and it was a live stage production, but it was a video from the theatre. And uh, I watched it over and over again, akin to Joseph. I just watched it all the time, but I had never seen anybody go near that story ever again because Barnum obviously is like a horrendously exploitative historical figure but uh, I don't know why they decided to just not do that one instead do you know the songs are phenomenal I don't know I mean it's just uh, I'm now like in a weird <laughs> in my musical theatre because I googled the people who did the music for uh, Great Showman and it's La La Land guys again oh, okay. and they wrote Dear Evan Hansen which again is a good musical but it's not really like a crowd pleaser it's about anxiety and sad things and so now I'm scrolling through the Tony Awards to try and work out what musicals have come out recently there was Natasha Pierre in The Great Comet of 1816 yeah. which was incredible but weird but, but weird and way too expensive to ever play anywhere else I'm about to the actor was Michael Crawford that I was forgetting oh, who is yeah. just a sweetheart and was brilliant in Hello Dolly and is, is one of those people who's an amazing dancer as well yeah, yeah. Um, as an amazing singer so this year's oh, this year's Tony's last year's that haven't been held yet the original musical nominations were Jagged Little Pill which is the Alanis Morissette musical okay. existing property yeah uh, the Percy Jackson musical existing weird property. existing mm. property and also weird take yeah um, Moulin Rouge the musical which is which destroys the film is terrible oh I wouldn't even go near it yeah it's all because they like they update like Elephant Love Medley and put newer songs into it so I'm in like, love with the shape of you. Basically, yeah, basically. <laughs> like, that's what they do. They're they're like holding up a note for "I will always love you" and then drop into that, and it's awful. It's terrible. Oh, um, and Tina Turner the musical. So those were the ones for last year, and then the year before mm. that was Beetlejuice, Cher, King Kong, Pretty Women, Tootsie. Like it's all just films being made. Yeah. In it's, that's kind of depressing yeah it's really, it's depressing. really depressing that's miserable uh, I, I have heard the Beetlejuice one is very good but I um, I'd break your heart really wouldn't it and again it's not like Joseph and his tech colored dream coats an original story it's one of the oldest stories ever told but um, <laughs> I just don't I also don't think people like musicals either I genuinely just think the general public don't. I think people do view them largely as a once a year go with your folks type job, but mm. I don't think they're cool, and I don't think they will are likely to ever return to a coolness. Um, and I don't know what would have to happen to them in order for them to become cool. I guess Hamilton. I think I think the, I think the Harry Styles Jake Gyllenhaal reboot of J- Joseph. <laughs> I think Hamilton ruined the coolness of it. I think it lifted mm. it for a bit, but then so many people were so fucking annoying about Hamilton that like it's that kind of it's the Harry Potter thing of like when people get too intense about something. Yeah. Well, read another book. Yeah. yeah. Watch another mm. musical. Like listen to another soundtrack. It becomes that. And like Hamilton's really good, but like there's also lots of other really good musicals. 
And so, yeah, I think it had a chance and it'll probably like, there'll probably be some cool indie like productions about and like that sort of thing. But I think, yeah, that kind of real exposure. The same thing happened, like, get a little bit of, like, Wicked and things like that, like, before. Like, yeah, I suppose Wicked mm. was pretty serious. And I, I, again, Jesus, talk about criers. Absolutely. <laughs> that shit is designed to make you cry. Like, fully, uh, that last duet is just like, like <laughs> <laughs> I've been changed for good, fuck you. Like, you know, it just wants to hurt your feelings. Um, I guess, yeah, Wicked was, but also Wicked is not only based on Frank Elbaum, but it's also based on a novel about, it's like third level derived from Wizard of Oz. Do you know what I mean? It's not just Wizard of Oz. It's a novel based on the Wizard of Oz, you know? Um, but I think in the case of Wicked, it's like, oh, did you know Wicked was based on a book? I think like Die Hard is based on a book. It's like, it's, it's, it's bigger than the, the source material, I think. Yeah, so, yeah, I guess. Yeah. But I think it's, well, it's, it's getting the permission to make it exist that mm. you know nobody would attend a musical about two frenemy witches if it wasn't based on a beloved Judy Garland masterpiece mm. you know like there yeah, yeah, there yeah, is true. that a uh, set of codes and images that people recognize immediately you know yeah um which is kind of a bummer you know it's sad but like oh I just remember there was American Psycho musical <laughs> oh absolutely not the biggest like try and get men into the theater like it's <laughs> like what do men like they like the film where women get gutted by like yeah a- the, and like songs about extensively detailing uh different brands of moxins like is that what we're do- is that what we're doing like what a strange choice you mm. know maybe maybe it will all turn on a dime and someone will do something brilliant and i'm sure somebody already is doing something brilliant we just don't know about it yet you know yeah. But it is kind of a bummer. It's like, because it's you get the best bops, the best tunes. So what's your favorite song, uh, Rachel, about from Joseph? What's your jam? Because there's some really serious offerings here. So I'm trying to remember all of them. Um, I'll get the track list up and we yeah, can... Yeah, so we can get the track list up. Um, I always find the Pharaohs ones amusing just because of the Elvis impression. Like mm. it's very just it's very fun and like I think the person performing that song gets to have a lot of fun with it, and I always appreciate that. Um, what who else? Who else? Yeah. The songs are the prologue, which is the some folks dream of the yeah. wonders will do, which I think is actually kind of really lovely as yeah. these things go. You know, any dream will do, fabulous. Um, Jacob and Sons you know a bit of a world builder then joseph's dreams then poor poor joseph then one more angel in heaven country and western taylor swift eat your heart out um then potiphar which is when everything kind of starts getting real for poor joseph then close every door to me then go 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 joseph which is our immediate redemption from close every door to me Mm. then we enter pharaoh's story and we do Poor Poor Pharaoh, which is the same kind of as Poor Poor Joseph. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just looking at the original track listing from the Yoki now, not the, this is not the Donny Osmond version of it. Um, and then we have the Song of the King, which I think is a big Elvis number. Mm-hmm. And then we have Joseph interpreting the Pharaoh's dreams. Mm-hmm. Then Stone the Crows, which I'm finding it hard to pull uh, from my memory. It's like, Stone the Crows, it's Joseph, it's a clever kid. It's like a little interlude one. Yeah, where he's like, yeah, mm. he's like considering Joseph to come on board. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, then those Canaan days, yeah. which is our, our, our drunken French moment. Then the brothers come to Egypt, which is like the grovel grovel vibes yeah, yeah. Oh, I like then, that's a that's a fun one the grovel grovels cringe bow soup fall it's like it's very dramatic oh uh, I, can, I can i can literally see them doing the movements yeah, that that's is, unbelievable and then it's yeah. where in the film i love it because they have a corn vet like a uh, slot machine and all yeah. The- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. coming out like that <laughs> and it's also the bit where they like catch out benjamin i like that whole ending bit i think the music works really well and that that bit um like the bit where they're all trying to protect benjamin and like there's like a really nice harmonies on that bit as well where it goes into almost like angelic voices and i quite like that as well that's a that's where like we're just about to turn around to the kind of the good news after that you know Benjamin Clip, the, who's the thief? Is that the bit you're talking about? Yeah, who's the thief? It's like, yeah. could it be? Could it be? That bit. 
Oh yeah, and that did it, did it, did it, that yeah. that noise. Android Weber loves that. Android that is, that's his noise. Yeah. That. He loves it. He uses it in uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. He uses it in uh, Cats. Um, then the Calypso. <laughs> and then Joseph all the time, which I'm trying to kind of put together in the... Uh, um, it might be... Joseph just being like vibing. I think that's a rename that Adrian would do. Oh, he was Joseph all along, right? Mm. Yeah. Where he's yeah. like telling them who he really is. Yeah. And then we go to Jacob in Egypt and then Annie Dream will do Give me my colored coat, my amazing colored coat. Where he's just like, you know, uh, everyone is reunited. And then the Joseph Megamix, which is a great track title. But I feel like it's just the the encore of everything being put together. Yeah. God, some really great tunes in there, aren't there? It is. I always remember Benjamin Clips being much earlier. Yeah, like, same. Weirdly enough. It's, it's a real momentum killer in there that isn't it it's a weird one I, I feel like maybe when our, our musical did it they might have shoved Benjamin Clips or earlier and just did like a reprise with there mm-hmm. as just said look Benjamin's a very innocent nice man and then they could just cut back to it later and go hey we told we said you Benjamin was innocent nice man earlier let's do a 40 second version of that instead of this three minute version yeah God. but yeah bangers Rachel is there anything else you wanted to say about Joseph where you have this, this once in a lifetime opportunity I just I really appreciate it as a it's just very easy to listen to as a musical like I was saying it's full of bangers you can like put on while making like Sunday lunch and like I appreciate that kind of like listenability and yeah like um it feels like some of Lloyd Webber's latest stuff kind of lacks all of that I mean like like we're saying Phantom of the Opera is beautiful but you don't really get that kind of like I'm gonna sit and like enjoy this and have like a bouncy time to it it's a bit more like not a lot of bops in phantom yeah not a lot of bops in phantom um and in jesus christ superstar they make you pay for the bops yeah. any little bop you might have in superstar it's they're gonna put on you i also think it's really hard for joseph to be because with jesus christ superstar I've, there's been so many versions of it where they're like actually we're going to do jesus christ superstar but it's about occupy wall street and like jesus is like a protester and it's so difficult to do that with joseph so you don't get wanky adaptions like mm. it's don't... literally about the yeah you can't yeah. touch it you can't do modernism on this yeah, yeah. like you can't like do i hate that tim minchin version so much like i like tim minchin's music but that version is awful yeah tim minchin's such an interesting figure because i loved him so much when, when i was younger and i went back and i rewatched something of his that i used to like a lot and i was horrified by it um it's like an animated video of a poem that he does called storm mm. which is about mm. talking to a woman who's interested it is in astrology it's the musical isn't it yeah no, i don't know and I used to, I, I remember loving it. And then I went back and watched mm. it recently and I was just like, I would leave a dinner party that <laughs> somebody yeah. like Tim mentioned telling me that astrology was fake. It, mm, I don't know how I feel about him now. And it would be maybe it's some of his early work, but uh, mm, not sure about him. But it's that thing you said in that I think Joseph is almost so heavily bulletproof that the people who want to do Joseph, the people who want to listen to it and put on productions of it are just the purest souls earnestness yeah and so it, it is inherently enjoyable you can't get that kind of wanky we're gonna do it brechtian kind of style stuff uh, or like any playing about with it and so it's always very pure and very sweet it's kind of like greece in that way where like there's always a good undercurrent of fun and jovialness behind it and there's not a very there's a meaning but we're not gonna like shove it down your throats and i appreciate mm. that greatly and like as a kid i was i obviously really loved loved it and enjoyed it and so yeah it's it's been fun i was saying it was on netflix last year and it was fun like getting a bunch of friends to watch it and just be like this is very fun and cute and like you'll enjoy this wholesome is the vibe like and there's so few wholesome things like it'll nourish you yeah exactly there we go thank you so much rachel thank this you for so much fun. in a Please less plague adult yeah. world oh yeah but myself, yeah. So I have my uh, newsletter called Half and Half, where I mainly just like write about recipes right now because there's not much more to do. <laughs> so if you like receiving recipes, please sign up to that. And my Twitter is Rachel, spelled R I C H A E L K R I S H N A, Rachel Krishna. Uh, and I do have 
in the pandemic started tweeting about musicals more because there's nothing else to do <laughs> and so if you are also really intensely into musicals and get angry like i got really angry last when before cats came out that they were like the actors went to cat school what's that and i was like all actors and cats go to cat school it's part of the process <laughs> you learn how to dance. <laughs> it's a ballet what's wrong with you of course you would learn how to move correctly for this piece of work like get a group, yeah. right? is that your kind of thing or you just like want to scream about musicals yeah, come, please come for <laughs> In a less pandemic heavy world, it would have been really cool to do this in real life. So thank you so much for hanging out with us on Zoom. I know it's not an ideal world, but this has been fantastic. So thank you for coming and doing Hedy Joseph chats. Of course, uh, we'll go to a musical one day and we'll make it worth it. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, telling you. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, where can we find your stuff? I'm on Twitter and in my house. Um, I'm at Griffski on Twitter. My novels, Other Words for Smoke and Spare and Fan Parts are in all good bookshops. Um, and I run a zine club on Patreon, which is hilariously Patreon forward slash zine club. So if you like good posts and getting nice, interesting things in the mail once every six weeks or two months, depending on how things are, um, that is the place to go. Alan McGuire, where can we find you? Uh, I'm Alan underscore McGuire everywhere. Juvenalia is Juvenalia underscore pod on Twitter. Juvenalia pod on Instagram. Um, why not leave us a review? That's a great. We have never though. asked anyone to do. To we be honest, we, we never do, do that. Yeah. We have never done that. That's... We, we get some nice ones regardless. So it'd be nice yeah. to come up on five years now. So it'd be nice, wow. nice to get a few new reviews in there. Yeah. Uh, thank you to Dee McDonald for our artwork. Thanks, Dee. Uh, we are a Tall Tales podcast. So thank you, Cassie Delaney. Thanks, Cassie. Um, we have a big episode crossover with Creep Dive either just came out or coming out after this one. So look forward to that. And thank you again to Rachel Krishna. And thank we'll see you, you so much, weeks, Rachel. See you. Bye. Bye.